Um, I was really tempted to just read the chapter to you this week. <laughs> it's just so good. Even, uh, e- even just for the quotes. I mean, this handout here is full of quotes and almost impressive that they were able to write a whole chapter other than just continuing to, to give a list of quotes. They're just, I really encourage you, if you, if you have the book um, or are interested in getting the book, reading this chapter. Just so encouraging. Just phenomenal chapter. Um, but to get started, Providence. Uh, to open up the chapter, Beaky and Jones uh, argue that Providence is not a new doctrine developed by the Puritans. Providence has a long history in the Christian church. Obviously, we have scripture that teach God's control and sovereignty, um, his upholding of creation. In him we live and move and have our being. He's upholding all things by the word of his power. And uh, their earlier teachers that they list arguing for that go back to the early church, Irenaeus, um, Augustine, St. John Chrysostom, Boethius, um, Middle, high, high Middle Ages, Aquinas, going into the Reformers, Zwingli, Calvin, Bulger, and Beza. He lists a bunch of quotes from them on uh, providence. And they also contrast the idea of providence, and we'll get into actually what providence is in in just a second, but they contrast the idea of providence with the teachings of many Greek philosophers and traditional deists that uh, God, kind of that watchmaker idea. God created the universe, he wound the clock, and then he stepped back. He doesn't, he's not intimately concerned with details. He's not over uh, watching things. He just let the, lets the toy run. He wound it up and let it go and let it do its thing. Um, they argue that Christians have always held to this personal kind divine providence, this intimate uh, control and watch over the creation that God has. So after that introduction, moving into the teaching on providence, uh, here we, they open up with two questions from the Heidelberg Catechism, questions 27 and 28. What dost thou mean by the providence of God? The almighty and everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were, by his hand, he upholds and governs heaven, earth, and all creatures, so that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, yea, and all things, come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Question 28. Uh, so 27 tells us what providence is. It's, it's God's uh, upholding and governing all things in creation. <clears throat> Question 28. How does that help? What advantage is it to us to know that God has created and by his providence doth still uphold all things? That we may be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and that in all things which may hereafter befall us, we place our firm trust in our faithful God and Father, that nothing shall separate us from his love, since all creatures are so in his hand that without his will they cannot so much as move. So providence is God preserving and governing all things. Uh, you quote there from William Ames, the marrow of theology, Everything depends on God as the primary cause, both of its substance and circumstances. God often works through means, <clears throat> though he does not need those means. 
So God chooses to uh, order his creation by means. We understand that to be primary and secondary causes. So we, that's how we uh, ascribe uh, God's sovereignty over all things is that primary cause. Everything derives their being and power from him. Secondary cause uh, are the, the means by which he does that. So that would be um, God ordaining to, to take a saint home to glory. The means are whatever method that, that comes to be, to, comes to pass by. Um, and Ames points out that God doesn't need those means, um, but he chooses to work through them. So it's the same way a church is planted in Richmond Hill. The gospel goes forth here. God didn't need to plant New Covenant Church, and yet he chose in his kindness and goodness and mercy to do so, to further the gospel here. Uh, so providence is not the same as God's predestination or eternal decree, but rather it's the execution of that decree within the time and space of his creation. So they are distinguishing providence from predestination uh, or even God's eternal decree. It's not Providence is not... Uh, say God's um, in eternity past ordering how things will be. It's the actual playing out. It's the um, our experience, I suppose you could say, of that. Uh, God's providence extends to the smallest details. Uh, quoting uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, like the number of hairs on our heads. So it's this everything. As, as R.C. Sproul would say, no maverick molecule. Everything is uh, through God's providence. Uh, John Owen said, understanding how God works through those secondary causes is beyond the reach of mortals. So trying to work through all these secondary causes. Oh, God, uh, how does God order everything? Why did God do that? We have, I think we wrestle through that question a lot. Why would God allow this? Why would God choose to work this way. And Owen said, and we'll talk more about this as, as the lesson continues, but Owen said that's just beyond our understanding. That's one of the mysteries of God that's just uh, beyond us. We, we won't be able to understand that. Uh, at least this side of glory, looking through a mirror dimly. Uh, Flavel said that God's intent is not our immediate self-satisfaction, but our eternal blessing. So, uh, God's main goal is our spiritual blessing and growth, not our temporal, physical enjoyment of blessings. He does give us those blessings and expects us to enjoy them and, and turn them back into thanksgiving, but those aren't his ultimate uh, goal. That's uh, important to understand providence, how we, part of how we reconcile uh, suffering or challenges and setbacks. Flavel wanted Christians to see God's kindness and provision in all details of his providence. And they also said that we should also especially see the role of providence plays in conversion. Uh, they had a paragraph that was very excellent on the what they called the unexpected means um, that conversion happens. They gave the example of a pastor takes a rabbit trail in a sermon and through chance remarks, uh, someone is saved. Uh, the story comes to mind of, of a young Charles Spurgeon in a snowstorm stepping into, what, a Methodist church uh, and 
they had they said that they <laughs> the pastor wasn't there so they asked I think one of the deacons to come up and he said it was probably the worst sermon that has ever been preached <laughs> and yet the Lord uh, in his kindness chose that uh, to save to save his soul uh, they he gives the example too of uh, of Spanish soldiers coming into Germany uh, to try to restore Catholic order there and instead hearing the gospel preached being converted uh, from the from the Roman Catholic Church, hearing the true gospel preached by reformers there, uh, he they give a, a lot of examples of just things not going according to our plan, in ways that uh, God works those to His good. Uh, even evil deeds can be used by God for His work. At, again, that example of Spanish soldiers going into Germany, uh, obviously the story of Joseph comes to mind. What you meant for evil, God intended for good. So even those uh, evil deeds, God oversees by his providence and, and works them for our good. Uh, so the, the brief overview on what providence is, any, any questions on that before we move on? Okay. Uh, Puritan polemics for providence, so their arguments for providence against their opponents. Uh, the three main opponents, um, not on providence particularly, but just their opponents generally. They argue are, are Roman Catholics, Arminians, and Socinians. And they actually stated that the Roman Catholics uh, and Puritans don't really differ all that much. Uh, but they both affirm an omnipotent providence, <clears throat> which preordained and governed all events. So Roman Catholics and the Puritans both agree that God is uh, intimately involved in all details of his creation. Uh, but the Puritans rejected the Catholic idea of a delegated secondary providence to his special saints. Um, I had to read that a few times to get what he was what he was saying. And at first, I was thinking it was something to do with priesthood, um, the authority that maybe the Catholic priests had. But then I think actually what they were talking about is uh, is the their doctrine of saints. You know, you have the patron saint of travelers and medicine and all these and uh, I think what the Catholics argue is that uh, God delegates providence to those saints over whatever uh, whatever authority they have obviously the Puritans rejected that idea uh, as they rejected all um, mediators between us and God now that Christ has come to be uh, to be a mediator uh, so Sinians so the Socinians uh, were opponents of the Puritans, and they were a uh, wing of the kind of the radical Reformation. Um, and they affirmed Scripture as the Word of God, but um, a bit simplified. They were biblicists and rationalists in interpretation. So they just they want to take the verse that's right in front of them, and we also want to subject it to human reason. They were humanists. Rationality is like the highest uh, interpreter. Um, of scripture. So because of those hermeneutical frameworks, they rejected a lot of orthodox uh, doctrines, including the Trinity, the deity of Christ, substitutionary atonement, and divine predestination. Um, the, the Puritans obviously come back and, uh, and challenge all of those and stay within the Reformed Orthodox stream. And the Arminians affirmed, yes sir, Understand, or could you help us understand the difference between when most people hear providence and sovereignty, they think 
they did not. They did not. They not. Um, they did reference Edwards at one point, and but they just said that Edwards uh, saw all of Providence coming together in Christ, and they didn't elaborate further than that. Uh, Pastor David. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. But but he's not the he is the primary cause of everything. Yeah. But he's not the secondary cause. So so but he would deny the secondary cause. He would say, Why did the ball hit the wall? Because God God actually did it. Like you had no once you let it go, it was done. And God took care of the rest. Where Yeah, the, the Puritans certainly affirmed the secondary causes. Yes. And that uh, they don't name-check him, but it, as, you, as you're stating Edward's belief, uh, they really challenge that. Frequently in this chapter, they will say uh, things like, we'll sooner tire reason out um, trying to understand God's ways than, than satisfy it. And, hey, it's, it's impossible for us to understand all these things. Um, the, you know, the classic analogy of a metaphor of a tapestry 
Uh, they don't use that one, but that comes to mind. You know, look at it from the backside, and it's just all stitches, and it doesn't make any sense. And then turn around, it's this beautiful uh, piece of art. Uh, they do use the example of, of a watchmaker, ironically, but they, uh, rather than the idea of the creator God as this watchmaker who sets the watch, winds it, and then steps back, it, they give the example of all of the intimate, I don't know, uh, if you're familiar with how complicated watches and clocks actually can be, but like my boss uh, is all about cuckoo clocks, and it's just it's it's crazy how intimate or uh, how intricate and detailed and finely tuned all of these pieces are. And they use the example of uh, creation is all of these things, and to us, all we see is one little cog, um, but to God, he, he sees it all working together um, perfectly, bringing out bringing about His will. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. I, um, yeah. Also but, warned against. But I did not I did not say that. That was that was other men that are way smarter than you Well, I'll say it's warned against and also encouraged. Both. <laughs> Reading yes. into the providence of God is both warned against and encouraged by the Puritans. Yes. <laughs> um, well to to continue on talking about uh, now men's uh, free will and our volition and agency, the Arminians affirmed God's providence but only over over physical creation they denied it over men's souls so they would agree with the Puritans yes that ball hit the wall because uh, you threw it they would deny that I, I suppose that uh, God ordained and in his providence that you would be the one to throw it <laughs> I, it doesn't make sense to me but uh, I guess that's why I'm not an Arminian. But somehow God ordained that that ball would hit the wall, but he didn't ordain that you would, be, you would decide to throw it. You decided all on your own. Um, so in response to that, John Owen affirmed both the free agency of man and the providential sovereignty of God. He said, no, we, we don't treat men like uh, blocks of wood and stone. Uh, we do affirm that men have will and make decisions but we also affirm God's providential sovereignty over all things. Uh, like Charles Spurgeon comes to mind again see, when he says, how do you reconcile free will and God's sovereignty? And he said, I don't need to reconcile friends. Uh, there are several, um, 
statements and, and proof texts that the Puritans used. God's providence rules the plans and most secret rev- resolutions of men. God's providence turns men's hearts whichever way he pleases. God's saints pray for him to move their hearts and bend their wills as he promised. And the certainty of God's promises uh, depend on his determining and turning the wills of men as he pleases. So the Puritans' submission to providence, the Puritans taught clearly to them, if everything is by the will of God, then we need to learn how to submit to all uh, circumstances that we we see ourselves in. Um, If Thomas Goodwin here is, quote, if God works all things according to the counsel of his own will, you should not lean to your own will nor to your own wisdom. Give yourself up fully unto God. Uh, But they recognize that suffering complicates and tests our surrender to God. So uh, how how do we reconcile those sorrows and troubles with God's kindness and providence? Discussion question. Yeah, it uh, goes a little bit into, into, it can go into apologetics here of, you know, what do you do with, with suffering and evil? Well, suffering and evil exist either way. 
So would you rather have a meaningless uh, universe that, that doesn't care? Would you rather have a God who uh, is unable to prevent uh, that suffering and evil? Or would, uh, do you trust that uh, even though we can't understand it, he's, he's working all things together uh, for our good? I don't know if I included it in the handout, but there was a, a line in the chapter that said, we, we may groan to God, but not grumble against him. And it's, I mean, the scriptures are just full of, of the saints groaning out to God. The Psalms are full of, of suffering and coming to God and, and saying that. Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. Uh, that's just the whole book is a lament to God of, of why are things going the way they're going. We don't have to. We don't have to pretend to, to uh, enjoy or hey, this is my favorite thing that this suffering that I'm going through right now. Yeah. Um, oh, I did include it right there. We may groan to God, but we must not grumble against God. Yeah, that, that maturing us in faith, that uh, growing our dependence on God, that's one of the reasons that the Puritans give for the trials and, and suffering that we, uh, we go through, uh, among others. Um, One of the, one, another line out of the chapter was that uh, faith without a promise is presumption, and we're not promised that we will not suffer. So to expect that and, and uh, presume upon that uh, would, would be presumption. 
prom- upon the promises of God. That's not something he's promised his people. But he has promised to, to work those sufferings for our good. Um, so we've touched on it some, but uh, we'll move on to into Puritan hope in providence. And uh, a little, I was a little bit intimidated and concerned, even though providence is, is something that I have tried to wrestle with and, and grow in understanding of the past few years um, to teach this, because when I think of my life, I don't think of, it, it's been marked very much by suffering. I, I know so many people have gone through so much more than I have, um, and so a little bit concerned about that idea of trivializing um, you know, what people have been through. But uh, then I thought, as it, as it was talking about the times that the Puritans lived in, how did these men who lived through such difficult times have such a solid joy? Because the, the quotes in the trust and providence um, that I've, I've grown in have largely come from Puritan or, or Puritan thoughts. And these are men that, uh, you know, they, they lost, they often lost multiple children. Uh, they often had multiple wives because their wives died. They would, I mean, uh, I think Flavel is who they bring up, that they, he had a wife, lost her, I think, in childbirth, and then lost his second wife. Um, you could basically throw a rock and hit a Puritan that had uh, multiple wives because they lost their, li- their wives, among other things that they suffered. Um, this is a time when uh, disease, they, they worked through plague, starvation, war, persecution. How did these men who suffered so much develop such a robust uh, theology of providence? How did they cultivate such a trust in the goodness of God when uh, their lives were, were so difficult? This, is such, this can be so difficult for us who live such comparatively easy lives, um, and yet these men who suffered so much are able to develop such a trust in God's goodness. Um, and as Bobby brought up Romans 8.28. I, I think they just had it baked into their bones. This was, Romans 8.28 must have been a verse that they just had uh, in every fiber of their, their being. They, I imagine that the suffering that they endured actually forged that trust. Um, they, they probably almost had no choice but to develop that trust. You know, in, in seeing the world around them, they had to uh, rely on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Given the grace to to face the challenges that they they had. Um, a quote from Thomas Watson: "There, all the various dealings of God with His children do, by a special providence, turn to their good. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep His covenant." Obadiah Sedgwick, no good man ever lacked anything that was good for him. I may lack a thing which is good, but not that which is good for me. He said, there are blessings that uh, I may covet and envy and, and wish that I had, but I need to recognize that even though that's a good thing and okay to value, if God has not given it to me, then it's not good for me in this season, in this time. Um, God's providence restrains evil and protects his people. No harm can befall us, which God does not allow. They recognized that uh, 
God in his grace kept things from being as bad as they could be. They even seeing the challenges and the wickedness of men and sin recognize that God is restraining that sin. They could sin much, uh, much more mightily than he allows them to. Providence helps us to let go of our earthly anxieties. Perhaps the means by which we hope to attain our goals seem impotent, but we must remember that the means are but pipes, whereas God is the fountain. They are mere instruments in his hands. It is not the doctor who heals you, but God who heals you through the doctor. Um, That's, again, one of the things that I've uh, tried to learn and embody more uh, the last few years is the name that on my paycheck is Dale Kreitz Jr., but the money really comes from God. Uh, he is the secondary cause. I go to work. Uh, I, I try to labor diligently, and then I'm uh, rewarded for that work. But that, that money to provide for my family is ultimately a gift from God's hand. Um, Rob, like you were saying, we have all these blessings, and how often do we turn them back to praise? We have all these that we take for granted, and they're talking about means that God uses. Um, they talk about uh, being diligent in our work and trusting that God works through secondary causes. And he's, they said that uh, the use of means without trusting God is pride. And the, uh, to be lazy and not use those means is, uh, is also sin. That's, that's laziness and sloth. That's a presumption. God's promises, that he'll simply provide for us uh, without, without us being diligent in the uh, duties he's given us. Um, so, uh, meditations on the providence of God. Uh, the Puritans encouraged uh, their uh, church members and Christians to uh, meditate on the providence of God. And Flavel gave four directions here. Work hard at remembering and exploring the providence of God toward you. Uh, Remember the instances that God has provided for you. Um, Think more on those. Think how uh, um, God has blessed you that you've maybe forgotten or you didn't realize at the time. Uh, Trace the connection between the providences of God in your life and the promises of God in his word. That goes to that... uh, um, presumption. We don't want to presume upon promises that aren't made, but we also don't want to neglect the promises that were, and make those connections of the providence we've experienced with the promises that we find in God's word. Uh, Look beyond the events and circumstances of providence to God as the author and provider, as looking past those secondary means, looking to the the primary cause. What This blessing is a gift from God's hand, even if it came through uh, somebody else's that I can see and respond to each providence in an appropriate way. Uh, Trials are God's method of growing us, and we learn not to assume that we fully understand God's ways and purposes. Again, that tapestry or that uh, clock, we can't see all of it put together yet, Um, but we know that God can and does, that he is designing the masterpiece, and that uh, one day in glory we'll be able to look back upon those and and see the the full picture. Meditating on God's providences helps us stop being functional atheists. Do we uh, 
give lip service to, to Christ and then live our lives as though he's not involved? Or do we uh, actually have our theology um, come through our lives? Do we trust him day to day? Do we trust him in trials and temptations? And do uh, we trust him in the diligent uh, use of means and fulfilling of our duties? Going into discussion questions, they actually were really easy to come up with discussion questions. We just have a few more minutes, so we'll go through them kind of quickly, everybody's thoughts. Um, but right in the middle of this chapter, they had Puritan questions. These are all straight from the chapter. Puritan questions, or questions Puritans asked about providence. And I thought that would have been really helpful at the end of the chapter. That's why I put them at the end of the lesson, <laughs> to learn all about providence and then discuss how that uh, practically those play out. So, uh, how do how does God's providence relate to the laws of nature? Crops. Crops. Yes. Hurricanes. Yeah, hurricanes as well. Yeah, crops. Uh, God sends the rain. He provides the growth. Hurricanes. God providentially sends hurricanes as he, as he wills. Yes, sir. That's right. Uh, yes, yeah. We... <laughs> They, um, in, in the chapter, they are careful to say, don't read into providence past God's word. So even our, even our interpretation of providence is subject to, uh, to God's word, first and foremost. Just like we don't do theology by our experience, although experience is important, we don't do theology by providence. <laughs> we use the word to interpret it. Um, to how does God's providence relate to our efforts? Well, we'll leave the rest to discuss through the week with each other. <laughs> so just quick, how does God's providence relate to our efforts? And then I'll close this out in prayer. Yeah, uh, different different gifts and callings. John Carr is a pharmacist. You would not want me as your pharmacist. You would probably get the wrong medication. <laughs> um, our our use of uh, means and our.
fulfillment of duties, that responsibility that we have. Um, I could have trusted God's providence and just come up here with a book and figured, you know, God wants everyone in Sunday school to learn about providence, so he'll just take care of it. Um, that would have been presumption and laziness. <laughs> I had to study. I had to read the chapter. I had to come up with a lesson plan. That, those were my duties as your Sunday school teacher for today. God uh, worked through those. I hope that you've been blessed and encouraged by it. Yes, sir. Excellent. All right, on that, I will uh, close this out in prayer. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness and your providence. Uh, we praise you for your power and your sovereignty. Um, over all things, we ask that you would encourage and strengthen us in trials and sufferings this week, that you would remind us that you are working them to our good. Uh, we ask that you would uh, encourage us also in our our use of means and uh, the fulfillment of our duties where you've called us. Uh, ask that you uh, strengthen us as we strive to honor and glorify you in everything we do. And uh, ask that you would simply grow us, grow in us faith and trust uh, and love for you as we seek to understand and apply the doctrine of your providence to our lives. In your son's holy name, amen.